Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast weekly sermon podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer two Sunday morning services with something for everyone. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while the kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, 9.30 or 11.30 every Sunday. Now here's Pastor Marco with another encouraging word. Today we're going to conclude our training camp series. How many of you guys have been blessed by this series, training camp? Do me a favor. If you've been challenged and inspired, motivated, corrected, rebuked, whatever, by the word, let us know. We'd love to hear what God's doing in your life, how God's using his word to change your life or change perspective, email us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, it's always good to hear testimony. The Bible encourages us to share our testimony. The Bible says it's how we overcome, by the power of our testimonies. So it's important to, to, to speak, to, to declare what God is doing in your lives. Can you say amen? amen. So today we're going to conclude this series, Training Camp. It all, we're all started by talking about the fact that God has given us a gift of salvation, but we are supposed to, can I have the other mic? We're supposed to work it out. It takes work to see the fullness of God's will in our lives. And we need to get in shape spiritually. That was the first message of the series. And we talked about learning the playbook. God has given us his word, and we have to learn it to know how to live the life he created us to live, and how to be able to apply the principles he's given us. And then the last two weeks, we talked about how God wants us to have team chemistry, because there's no I in team. We need to go from I to, can we do it like where we here together? We need to go from I to, to we. And so the only thing left to do now is to play the game, is to actually be in the game, so today's title is, Put Me In, Coach. Tell your neighbor, I'm ready to play. So put me in, Coach. Wow, this is, is going to be a rough day. Let's try that again. I'm ready to play. Put, so put me in, Coach. Because I don't know about you guys, I played sports all my life. I didn't want to ride the bench. No one wants to ride the bench, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I was that obnoxious player. Like, I would make noise on the sideline. Like, I want the coach to notice me. Maybe that's why I ride the bench even longer. But I would be, like, fidgety. Like, like and I'll go like this. Like, can you see me? Can you see me? Like, I'm ready to play. I don't know about you guys. I didn't, want, I didn't come to sit. I came to play. Are you ready to play? So how do we play? I want to encourage you to open your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 is our Bible reading of today. Matthew 9, 35 says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area. Jesus wants to be everywhere. Shout out to Forever. 
You are an area that Jesus wants to be in. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease. Jesus wants to heal all diseases. And we pray in Jesus' name that all diseases are healed in Jesus' name. And illnesses. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I'm going to change my mic. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. In other words, ask him to have more players in the game. Ask him to send more people who want to play and I just watch. So once again, tell your neighbor, I'm ready. Put me in. Coach Jesus, put me in. I want to play. My friends, God has never stopped working. The same God that we just read about 2,000 years ago is the same God that's still at work today. This Jesus is still going to every city, every village, every nation, and he's still working everywhere in the world. But for some odd reason, he decided to work through us. I don't know why God has that much faith in us. See, everybody supposed to have faith in God, but we forget that God has faith in us. Can you imagine putting the mission of saving the world in the hands of regular human beings? I know that wouldn't be my plan. It wouldn't be your plan. But God wants us to be part of his plan. God wants us to be part of what he's doing on this earth. God works through Regular human beings like you and I every single day all over the world. Some of the greatest movements of God right now in 2019 is happening in places that naturally speaking shouldn't be happening. Some of the greatest revivals in the world right now, you need to look it up because the news won't share this good news. Is that Jesus is saving people by the thousands in Iran. In a place that is extremely Muslim. People are having dreams about Jesus. People are coming to Jesus by the droves. Jesus is working in China. Jesus is working in Russia. Places that Christians have to meet underground because it's illegal to be a Christian. Can you imagine living in a society where it's illegal to read your Bibles? It's illegal to worship. It's illegal to evangelize in public in Russia. But guess what? People still evangelize. People still see Jesus come to faith. So my friends, all of us are called to be the carriers of the good news of Jesus. Because he's working all over the world. And today, all over the world, people are worshiping Jesus. This is not an American invention. This is a worldwide movement of people who are gathered in the same name of Jesus. And they're seeing the results of putting Jesus first in their lives. Can you say amen? But what's interesting is this, every single day, 
all of us pray for Jesus to hear our prayers. Every single day, someone cries out to Jesus. And Jesus' name is so powerful that even when you stub your toe, you don't say Muhammad. You say Jesus. When someone gets on your nerve, you don't say Buddha. You say Jesus. He's so powerful that we use him even the wrong way, but even the wrong way, his name is powerful to be used on this earth. The name of Jesus is amazing. But every day we pray. We pray for Jesus to heal. We pray for Jesus to restore. We pray for Jesus to save. We pray for Jesus to give us a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We pray for Jesus to help us break up with our boyfriend or a girlfriend. We pray for Jesus to change our wives or our husband. And our husbands pray for Jesus to change our wives. And our Every day we're praying to Jesus to hear our prayers. And then we read here that Jesus also prays. We pray every day for Jesus to hear our prayers. But today, my friends, we read that Jesus also prays for us to hear his prayers. Isn't that amazing? That every day, Jesus, hear me, heal me, hook me up, help me, change me, transform me, make a way, Jesus. Do something. And today we read Jesus like, hey, I also have a prayer. There's a lot of work to be done on this earth. And I need workers who are willing to allow me to use them to be useful and effective for my kingdom on this earth. So today, my friends, who is going to listen to Jesus' prayer and answer Jesus' prayer? Because Jesus is also praying. Are we listening to his prayer? How cool would it be if Jesus can answer our prayers and then we answer his prayers too? How cool would it be if this thing was mutual? Where it's not one way, but it's a two-way because in a relationship, it takes two to make things go right. And it takes two to make it. So I want to play right now. I want to be in Jesus' team right now. Because Jesus prays just like I pray. And he's praying for people who will be willing to be workers in his kingdom. Because we started this whole series with, you are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We don't work to get saved. We're saved to work. Tell your neighbor, get ready to work. There is a lot of work to be done in a world who is very selfish. Jesus is saying, can you go beyond yourself and be selfless? Can you see the world the way I see it? Did you see how Jesus sees the world? He sees the world with compassion. My friends, Jesus never sees the world with condemnation. Jesus does not see the world with judgment. He sees the world with compassion. And when we get Jesus in us, then we begin to see the world the same way he sees the world. You see, the people that, that work 
on Jesus' team reflect who Jesus is. And where Jesus is, there's always a crowd of people looking to be healed, to be restored, to be loved, to be understood, to be welcomed into his kingdom. And then if we do this right, then the domino effect takes place and those people become part of the team and they help to bring healing and restoration and salvation to this world. So today, my friends, I'm praying that we are the answers to Jesus' prayer. Every day we pray to him, but today we can answer his prayers. Can you say amen? I want to share with you this amazing Danish proverb. I love this. Look what this Danish proverb says. What you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. Oh, that's beautiful. What you are is God's gift to you. Like God gifted you to be who you are. Right? But what you do with yourself is your gift to God. In other words... How you live your life, how you treat others, how you go about your business says, I know I'm a gift from God and I want to be a gift to God. Can you say amen? Jesus says the harvest is plenty. Jesus compares harvest with people. He says there's plenty of people who need to know the good news, who need healing and salvation and restoration. But the problem is we don't have enough workers to work the harvest. Everybody prays for a harvest, but you need to work the harvest. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Let me translate this into your own personal life. Everyone prays for increase, but increase takes work. Right? Everybody wants a husband, but a husband is work. Ladies, say amen. amen. <laughs> and fellas, everybody wants a wife, but a wife is a blessing. Oh, I'm 41. I've, I wised up a little bit. <laughs> right? Everybody wants a house, but a house takes work. Everybody wants kids, but kids, man, will work you out. And everybody wants a great church, but a great church requires Work. Everybody wants to see revival, but revival takes work. It takes work to maintain the blessings of God in your life. From the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, he created the world. He said to Adam and Eve, I'm giving you an amazing garden, which by the way, this was not your little Portuguese garden right, that your little grandmother has in her backyard. He's talking about an entire country. He says, I'm giving you this, but you got to work it. It's yours, but it's up to you to maintain it. It's up to you to work it to see the fruits, right? You plant, but then you work the field in order to see the fruits. So it takes work, my friends, to see the, the will of God, not just in our lives, but in the life of others. Now, it's important to understand that once you embrace Team Jesus, you're saying he is the coach. He's the leader. He's the boss. He's the savior. He's the provider. He's the healer. I can't do those things, but I can be under those things. I can't save anyone, but I can be in a team to save. I can't heal anyone, but I can be in the healing team. I can't restore anybody, but I can be in the restoration business. 
right? I, I can't change anybody, but I can be in the changing business. Are you tracking with me? Like it, when we're saying I'm part of Team Jesus, the church, I'm saying I'm part of the rescuing mission. I'm part of the rescuing people who are on this earth, not to live just for themselves, but to help others see themselves come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I picture it this way, right? You, you find yourself in the middle of a storm, which let's pray against the storm that's happening in Florida. Let's pray that Jesus will calm the storm because he has the power also to calm storms, right? But in the middle of a storm, when you find yourself rescued, you don't go, oh, great. No, no, no. You get concerned about others who haven't been rescued yet, and you get on a boat, and you begin to find and search for the rescue mission. You begin to say, who else can I help in this thing? <laughs> My friends, that's Christianity. Is that I'm now rescued. It's not okay for me to just be rescued and see people drowning everywhere and not knowing that I have the hope that you have. And so I become part of the rescue mission. My hands become part of Jesus' hands. My feet becomes part of Jesus' feet. My eyes, the way I talk, everything I do now becomes part of I want to rescue you into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? The people that play on this team, my friends, live for more than just a paycheck. They live to make a difference. My friends, we got to go beyond making a living to making a life. Oh, that's a good word. We're not in this world to just make a living. We're in this world to make a life. And my friends, the last time I checked, the greatest way to make a life is to help others. Let me help us real quick. The reason why we're not happy is because happiness is our target. The more you make happiness the target, the more you miss the target. Happiness is not the target. Fulfillment is the target. Because fulfillment is what brings happiness. Meaning is what brings happiness. Making a difference is what brings happiness. The more you make happiness the, the, the focus, the more you don't hit the aim. It's about helping others. That's where fulfillment comes from. That's why Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because when I give, I always receive. When I help, I always get help. When I lead, I always get led. When I reach, I always get reached. That's the beauty of this thing. I can't go wrong being a blessing to somebody else. Please understand this today. The purpose is higher than personal happiness. That's why we're unhappy. Personal happiness is too small. It's too narrow. It doesn't help anybody else. That's why God's like, I'm not into that. I don't bless you to, to bless you. I bless you to be a blessing. That's why he prays, hey, there's a lot to be done, but we need more people that have that mindset in life. That it is more than me, myself, and I. My friends, please write this down. To play for Team Jesus, to understand that the greatest investment in life is people. People are the greatest investment in life. Because everything else is going to stay. People are the only eternal beings on this earth. Your bank account will stay. Your clothes will stay. Your house will stay. Your trophies will rust, but people will live 
forever. People are the greatest investment on planet earth. As long as we're on the side of earth, people will always be the greatest investment in life. If it wasn't so, you wouldn't be here. Someone invested in you to be in this room right now as we speak. None of us got here on our own. I, am, I was thinking about it today, and, and, and I have this app, this time hop that, that shows me stuff that I posted over the years. And today, one of the posts that reminded me that I posted a few years ago is that I'm so thankful for everyone who's invested in me to get this far. None of us got here on our own. It's been a wee effort all the way. I'm thankful that when I was a little guy, like these guys, someone was praying for me. Someone was making sure I went to church. Even when I didn't understand any of it, I'm grateful that there were people enough in my life who understood the power of investment to keep saying, oh, you need to go to church. You need to, you need to pray. You need to read. I need to put you in, in right places. All the way up to college, coaches who have invested in me, strangers who have invested in me. And if you pray for me, you're invested in me. And I thank you for your prayers because it's an investment in heaven. It's an investment in eternity. People are the greatest investment in life. Not all investment pans out, but man, when they do, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus invested in 12 people for three years. And one of them didn't pan out, but he didn't judge him. He didn't condemn him. He said, friend, why do you betray me? Even in betrayal, Jesus still invested in Judas. That's why Jesus felt so much remorse because he's like, why would I do that to someone who calls me his friend? You can never go wrong investing in people. And if you never felt betrayed by people, then you never truly invested. When I teach at the ministry school, we want to clap. <laughs> when I teach at the ministry school, I always tell the young people, you know you're called to ministry when your heart breaks for people. If your heart doesn't break for people, don't do ministry because you don't care. It should cost you some nights of no sleep. It should make you wake up and pray. It should make you cry over the condition of the spiritual understanding that people have. We shouldn't look at the world with condemnation. We should look at the world with compassion. Because we understand, my God, this is not working. This is not the way that God intended for this world to be. We're not meant to be selfish. We're not meant to be corrupted. We're not meant to be condemned. We're meant to be free and have healing. When I see someone struggling with addiction, it breaks my heart. Because I know they don't want to struggle with addiction. When you see divorce, it should break your heart. When you see kids going astray, it should break our hearts. My friends, we need to have compassion because Jesus sees us with compassion. We need to go beyond ourselves. Sometimes, I don't know if you do this, but I drive through New Bedford and I just pray for random people. Because it breaks my heart to see people do life without hope that we have in Jesus. We need to have a higher understanding of life. We need people who embodies the good news. Because when you have the good news, you take it with you. You don't check the good news at the door. You take it with you. There's still one more sign I want to put in this church. It's at the door. It says you're about to enter the mission field. 
We come to receive, to give the world something to look forward to. And my friends, people who have embraced Jesus, they take the good news with them. They are carriers of good news. I believe God spreads us out throughout the world so we can be carriers of his good news where we are. I believe the gym you go to is for a reason. It's for you to carry good news to that gym. Where you work is for a reason. It's for you to carry the good news to that place. By the way, it may not be your dream job, but it's the catalyst to how your attitude is where you are right now that leads to where you want to be. I try to help our young people understand when God brings a person into your life, it's not just for you. It's for you to be a blessing to that person. That's why some of us are still single because all we think about is me, myself, and I. God's like, I can't trust you to carry another person. I've given this illustration to young people before. I brought a bench press on stage and I did a message on, listen, if you go to the gym and you can't bench press 100 pounds, you don't go, oh, I have an idea. Let's put 200 pounds on. That's why God's like, it's good for you to be single. Try to do 100 pounds. Carry yourself first before you can carry somebody else. We got to be carriers of the good news. Tell your neighbor, I am the good news. So my friends, being part of Team Jesus comes with privileges, but it also comes with responsibilities. And so today as we conclude this series of talk, I want to show you five responsibilities of every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Notice I say followers of Jesus, not churchgoers. There's a difference. There are people who go to church and there are people who watch church. Which one are you? You can't answer if you can't answer these five responsibilities. Because the five responsibilities says you are a carrier of the good news of Jesus. And that you are living for more than just yourself. You have enlisted yourself in this team that is workers of the good news. Can you say amen? The five things are, and I'll break down each one of them, is God wants all of his teammates to be members of his family, to be models of his character, to be ministers of the good news, to be messengers, and to magnify his name. That's the five understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And allow me to break down each one of them with just one scripture so we can have some context. Number one is God wants everyone to be a member of his family. Not just to go to church, but to belong to church. How many know there's a difference between going someplace and belonging someplace? Right? You can go somewhere, it doesn't mean you belong. God's will is that you just don't just go, that you belong, right? Look, Ephesians 2.19 says, so now you Gentiles, which is anyone who is not a Jew, right, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So if you trusted Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the leader, the boss, the savior of your life, well, you are part of his family. And part of his family, you belong to something bigger than you. You belong to a universal family of God called the Capital C Church who happens to have local communities where the family can gather and hear the word of God and hear the instructions and fellowship and, 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 and build each other up but then go into the world to make a difference. Can you say amen? So tell your neighbor, are you a member? 
Let's say it like we mean it. Are you a member? Tell the right neighbor, um, you could be my member. <clears throat> Number two, God calls everyone who says there are followers of his son Jesus to be a model of his character. We are called to model God's character. Here's an example. Paul speaking to Timothy, the man he was mentoring to be a follower of Jesus. He says, look, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your and your so you are a model of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in these areas of life. What you say is powerful because there's power in your words. And the Bible says we're supposed to speak life. You know the word prof prophecy simply means to speak life into another person. Like every day you can be prophesying, but be careful. Are you prophesying God's will or you prophesying curses? Because whatever you say, have life. Life could be God's will or it could be the other person's will. So what we say matters to God. God spoke the universe into existence. And God says you can speak life into each other. Can you say amen? Listen, in what, the way you live, it's not just what you say, but your life has to reflect what you're saying. Right? One of my favorite quotes in life is, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word that you're saying. Because we got a lot of people who say a lot, but don't live a lot. Got a lot of people who know a lot of Bible verses, but the verses don't know them. <laughs> we want people who say what we mean, and mean what we say, and reflect it with our lives. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about reflecting the will of God. It says you got to be my model in your love. We talked about that extensively last week. The greatest motivation in life is love in your faith and in your purity. Purity starts in the heart. Purity is not just... Oh, I'm not doing anything wrong outwardly. Purity is what's going on in my heart. Purity is what the psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Purity is when no one's watching me, who am I? Because that's the real me. Purity is not just not sleeping with someone. Purity is not looking at someone without having wrong intentions in your heart. Oh, y'all, that's what it means to be a model of his character. Purity is when I am the same person at 2 in the afternoon as I am at 2 in the morning. Purity reflects in how I treat others. Purity is what you do in the dark. Because we are the sum of what we do when no one is watching. We should get some amens on this. That's what it means to be a model of God's character. And that's, God expects this. These are responsibilities of a follower of Jesus. Can you say amen? 
Three, God expects us to be ministers of his grace. Did you know this? Every single person, now hear me clearly, every single person who says they are followers of Jesus, every single person, not some people, not an exclusive group of people, every single person who says, I am a follower of Jesus, has a ministry. Everyone, not some, all of them. Every single one. Well, look, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Inside of us, there's at least one gift. And to be honest with you, if you just have one, treasure it. Because the more you have, the more responsible you are. Sometimes... We look at other people we're like, I wish I was. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what the responsibility that comes with that person. I tell young people all the time, don't wish to preach. Wish to have a life that can back up your preaching. Because it's a lot of responsibility to get up here and have eyes looking at you. And now in the age of social media, everybody scrutinizes you. Everybody has a say. So don't just, don't just ask for the gift of preaching. Ask for the gift of character. That can empower you to preach. But everyone has a gift, my friends. We spend so much time comparing and contrasting instead of embracing what God has given us. And doing our best to reflect him with that gift. And if you don't know what that is, you can ask the Holy Spirit. He says, ask and I'll show you. I'll, I'll give it to you. And the reality is, you don't find your gift without working. You don't. It doesn't fall on your lap. It's about, you know, here's the secret. It's doing what's right in front of you and doing it with all your heart for the glory of God and for the edification of people. And, and then you do that and God sees that he can trust you with little and he wants to add to anyone who can be trusted with little so he can give you more, so he can give more glory to him. It's whatever's in front of you. It doesn't have to be the thing. It could just be what's in front of you to do. I never asked God to be a pastor. I told God, use me. And he chose to bring me this far. But he was never like, behold, you shall be a pastor. I, I'm not one of those people God told me all the time. I, those people kind of wear me out a little bit. I believe God puts opportunities in front of you. And he says, let's see what he does with that. I really believe that with all my heart. It's my conviction. For the last 21 years I've been following Jesus, it's whatever is in front of you. I was thrown into ministry. I'm so thankful they did. I didn't want to be one of those people that prayed about it and never acted on it. They said, I wasn't even there when I was elected to lead the youth ministry. I wasn't even there. I was working at Rocky's Ace Hardware Store. <laughs> I get to church. They're like, you're the youth director. No education, no background. But guess what? Lord, use me. Use me. I'll do whatever. And as a youth director, man, I loved 
young people, and I still do. There's a youth pastor in me that will never go away. That's why you have to put up with me a little bit because I still talk like I'm talking to young people. I like to yell and scream and all that stuff. Just get my heart, okay? <laughs> I love you. Okay. <laughs> why is he so, like, animated all the time? I'm just a youth pastor. They made a mistake in heaven. They put me here. So I'm just riding the wave. I'm just going with what God put in front of me. But my friends, it was never about a title. It was always about helping. So, so I was in a church where we didn't have much. So I did whatever was in front of us to do. I was the van driver. I was the worship leader, believe it or not. But I didn't sing. I told you what to sing. I did the altar calls. I drove the kids home. I did crews. I, I did follow-ups. I've done kids' ministry. I've done whatever's in front of me because it was never about a title. It's about God. How can I be useful in your hands? And I was thinking about this the other day. If I wasn't preaching, most likely you'll find me doing parking or one of the productions because to me, like that to me, I got to do something. I can't stand still. I need to be useful in God's hands, in God's economy. I want my life to count for something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Call to be ministers. Everyone has a ministry in them. You don't need a title to be a minister just have to have a heart for it. People. That's all God's looking for. Are you willing that I may use you to reflect who I am to a dying world every day? That's it. That's what it means to be a minister. That's why I love this church, that you can join a team and minister. You can minister in the cafe. You can minister in kids. You can minister in the parking lot. You can minister as an usher. You can minister as long as you see people with compassion and you understand that's what it's all about. That's why we push people to join a team and to join a crew. Why? Because it's more useful. It's more exciting that way. Where I'm actually being used for God's glory. Can you say amen? The next thing, my friends, is his, we're called to be messengers of his love. Every single one of us. Acts 20 is one of my favorite scriptures. Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Man, I love that conviction. Paul says my life is worth nothing if I'm not being useful as a messenger. You know what Paul did for a living? The man who was responsible for taking Christianity to the known world. The man who traveled by ship and donkeys because that's all they had. Hundreds of thousands of miles preaching the gospel. You know what he did for a living? He was a tent maker. Made tents for a living. But his heart was to preach the gospel. You don't have to go to theology school to be a messenger. You just got to have a conviction that, man, this good news is the good news for everybody. And wherever, God, you have me, I'm going to be there to be a messenger of your goodness and your love and your mercy and your grace. I want to bring good news. 
I was thinking about it this morning as I was praying. Man, the world is so filled with bad news. It's not a day that you don't hear bad news. Another shooting last night. Can we be the ones to bring good news to a world who only knows bad news? I pray that when people encounter us, it's a breath of fresh air. That man, in a world of critics and self-righteousness, in a world of selfishness, it's a breath of fresh air to meet someone who says, I have good news. I have good news. And the good news is simply this, that God loves the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That Jesus came to rescue sinners like you and I. He came to give us life and life more abundant. That's the good news. I just finished reading the Gospel of Mark again. I don't know how many times I've read it, but man, Jesus just is so fascinating. And I read Jesus, and my heart breaks and convicted to say, man, is that what we're doing? And the hardest part right now about the good news is how do we untangle Jesus from all the religious mess that we've made? That's what I'm praying. God, help me put a series together. How do we untangle Jesus from religion? Because instead of good news, it's become bad news for some people. The word Christians is bad news for some people. It's not good news anymore. That's why we have to be careful even to say Christians. I want to say followers of Jesus. Even church has become bad news to some people because church has been abusive. So we have work to do to untangle Jesus from all the mess that religion has created. I believe some of you, you're still working through the mess of religion. Sometimes you invite people to church, you think you invited them to do drugs. (laughs) Am I right? Because why? It's not because of Jesus. It's because of the mess that religion has created around the name of Jesus, that we have to untangle Jesus from religion to say to people, look, it's actually really good news. And it's one of my favorite things that I hear about this church, when people actually come and they actually get the news, they're like, oh, I didn't know church could be like this. I didn't, yes, yes, it could be. It's good news. It's good news. And in order for that to happen, we all have to work at it. We all have to untangle and say, wait, no, 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 that, that wasn't Jesus. That was, that was religion. That wasn't Jesus. That was my denomination. That wasn't Jesus. That was my upbringing. That wasn't Jesus. That was society. That wasn't Jesus. That was man-made religion. That wasn't Jesus. It's a lot of untangling that I have to do and get to Jesus because I really believe this with all my heart. I'm convinced of this. I did a wedding yesterday. Most people in that wedding were not Christians. And they came to me over and over again. Oh, my God, that was the most beautiful thing. And you know why? I really believe it with all my heart. It's not because of me. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus. And I'm convinced. I can spend all day here, my friends. I'm convinced if we can entangle him, he's irresistible. It's hard to resist someone who loves you for who you are. It's hard to resist someone who loves you. 
for who you are. He's not putting anything on you that you can't handle. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Jesus loves you. Oh, man, let's pray and do our best to untangle Jesus from religion. We shouldn't put any barriers in front of people. Jesus didn't have any barriers in front of people. He actually, he was taking away barriers. He was saying, don't worry about the law. Don't worry about measuring up. Don't worry about being a certain way. Just come. Come as you are. Come as you are. But the more you get close to him, the more you're like, I don't want to be as I am. I want to be like you. I want to love like you. I want to think like you. Oh, man, help me pray for this series, Untangling Jesus, because as you can tell, it's in my heart. I can camp right here because the gospel is beautiful. We've made a mess of it. We need to reclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as the most beautiful thing that a human being can encounter is the love of God. Can you say amen? Oh, man, yes. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, my friends, we were called to magnify his name. Oh, we were called to exalt the name of God above all things. One example, Psalm says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. That, my friends, is the five responsibilities of a believer. That's what we're all called to do. Not some of us. That's the mistake a lot of churches made. We, we, we elevated some people and put them on the pedestal and says, you guys are. But, but the Bible says, no, you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the right of the world. You are the priest to the believers. All of you. Not some of you. That's why I do everything I can to not be elevated on a pedestal on purpose because I'm not the point. Jesus is the point. I'm just part of the mission, just like you are. You're a minister. I love you and respect you for working with our children or for working in the parking lot or for working behind the scenes in the media booth. I salute all of you. All of you are ministers. All of you. So today, as we end, I always like to have action steps because I believe God's word is powerful when we do something with it. So today, my friends, here are the action steps of the day. Are you in the game? Put me in, coach. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. Just start every day by saying, Lord, I'm alive, so there's a reason. Beyond just my personal happiness. How do you want to use me today? Oh, that prayer will change the game. Because you know when you pray that, be ready. Because coincidence will begin to happen. God will begin to align divine appointments in your life. God will begin to make sure, hey, I'm going to give some things to you. But, but trust me, if you don't follow up on those things, he'll just skip over you and go to the next person who is willing. You know, the Bible says that God looks over the earth every day. He says he looks to see who can I invest in today who are going to invest in somebody else. Did you know that? Every day God gets up and goes, angels, let's see who's up for it today. I pray we say, God, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. Anybody else? Put me in. Put me in, coach. 
The second step is, which responsibility are you lacking? Out of those five, you got to be honest with yourself and say, Lord, this is where we need to work. And I say we because God works with us. This is where we need to work, Lord. And I want to remind you what they are again. If you, if you didn't take notes, member, model, minister, messenger, magnify. Five M's. Us preachers, we try to be cute. <laughs> member, model, minister, messenger, magnify. Lord, where are we working on this week? It's always a work in progress. Lord, what, what, what area that you, that you want to tighten up? What area do you want us to get better? It's not condemnation. It's not judgment. It's God saying we can do better. We can, we can grow in one of these areas. We don't have to do all five all at once, but we can get a base hit. We can go from first base to second base in our understanding of who we are in God. Amen? And then lastly, my friends, is Jesus your leader and Savior? Because none of this makes sense. If you haven't made Jesus the leader of your life that leads you, that guides you, that empowers you, that enables you to live this life. This life is impossible on your own strength. Your self-will can only take you so far. It's God's will that will carry you every step of the way. Put me in, coach. I want to play. I want to be useful. I want to be helpful. It's my prayer. Every Sunday before I come here, I go pray. Put me in, coach. As you can tell, you don't have to, you don't have, to have it all figured out. Listen, I stumble through English. But I say, put me in, coach. I'm a kid from Africa. Just said, God, put me in. Put me in. I'm convinced of this. It's not how gifted you are. It's, it's how useful you are. It's how useful you are. All of us can play in this team. All of us. And it may not be where you want to play yet, but you just got to play somewhere. And let him say, here's where I want to take you. Are you with me? Come on, would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Yeah, come on. Let's give God one more praise today. Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, please share it with another person. And for more information, visit our website, newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.